Uh, we are going to talk about freedom tonight, but not freedom in the sense of our country's freedom and the freedom that we have uh, living in the good old USA. Uh, I love the freedom that I have living in this country. Uh, you know, we are free people. And we are going to fight for our freedom as long as we can. But the freedom that we have in this country could one day be taken away. Uh, it could one day be taken away and uh, we could be invaded one day and our freedom could be gone. Or maybe our good government could go uh, cahoots or if it isn't already, already gone cahoots. And our freedom as we know it could be taken away. But the freedom that we have in Christ cannot be taken away. Taken away. And so I invite you to stand at this time as we look at our scripture in Romans chapter 6. It will be the text that we are considering tonight. Romans chapter 6 verse 22 through 23. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless the reading of his word is my prayer. You may be seated. And so the freedom that we have in Christ is a freedom that cannot be taken away. It is a freedom that is held by the power of God. Uh, it is a freedom that, that we hold dear to. You know, we talk about somebody saying, I'm free in Christ. Uh, sometimes that, that saying can be used in the wrong way. It, some, sometimes people can use it, and I'm free to do whatever I want to do, uh, which is true. Uh, you are under grace, but freedom in Christ is much more than that. Uh, freedom in Christ is, yes, I am free to do whatever I want to do, but I choose not to because I am free in Christ. And so the theme uh, verse for the book of Romans the letter that, that was, Paul wrote is in Romans chapter 1, uh, 16 through 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now more than ever in our country, we need people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not need to be Christians. We do not need to be believers who walk around with our heads down and do not tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. We are free in this country to speak about the gospel. We are free in this country to teach our kids the gospel, to bring them in here into this church building and, and teach them God's word. At our dinner table, we're free to teach our children God's word. And so Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And so the promise of the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in what? The gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so Paul coined this statement here that I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I pray, I hope that we would be people who are not ashamed of the gospel. Yes, we live in Cabot America, as Brother Rich would say. But we can live here and live in a way that we are not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto righteousness. And so Romans chapters 1 through 3 tells us how all the world is guilty of sin. And everyone is in need of God's righteousness. And that there is no one living today uh, who has ever lived before or who has ever lived before that is without excuse when it comes to knowing about God. 
You can look at the stars and you can know that, that we are here. Uh, we have been put here. We've been placed here. We've been made. You can look in the mirror and see that you are made in the image of God. This is what Romans chapters 1 through 3 tells us. Then Romans uh, 3, 23 through 44, uh, 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And being justly free, uh, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we have redemption in Christ Jesus. Being free, uh, justified freely by his grace. And so yes, we are under grace. We are under God's amazing grace. And we live in that grace. Uh, day to day we are living in God's grace. And then uh, chapters 3 through 5 of Romans tells us that how we are justified... And that is only by faith and only by God's grace. We come to this world far from God, separated from God, by sin. And there is nothing that we can do on our own power, our own abilities to make that right. To become right with God. But we are only justified by God's grace through faith. And because of God's love, uh, he sent his son into the world as a sacrifice for all of sin. All of sin of mankind. And scripture tells us that if you believe in Jesus, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, if you confess and believe that you will be made right with God, that you will have eternal home in heaven, that you will have eternal life. This is the, the promise of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. And so we are free indeed. We are living under grace and we have the hope of the gospel that this life is not ending here. When we pass away here, and if we are in Christ, our life uh, continues on in Christ. And so we are immediately uh, transferred to that heavenly place uh, where Christ Jesus is. And so Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's a comforting thing to say that we have peace with God through faith. That God is not angry at us. God is not uh, at odds with us. But we have peace with God. And it's all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. And so it's all through Jesus we've obtained this introduction. Into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope. Of the glory of God. And so it is God's grace that we, we lean on. It is God's grace that we look to. Uh, it is by faith that we live. And so Romans 6 uh, here, just a, a, an interesting uh, letter that Paul wrote. Uh, one that we went through this passage with the teenagers when we went on our discipleship trip. Uh, just Romans chapter 6. And so tonight we will be uh, in Romans chapter 6 and we will cover uh, the whole chapter. Uh, I won't be that long. I'll probably be quicker than Justin, guys. Y'all just, just hold on a minute. I got to pick it, my buddy. Uh, but Romans chapter 6 deals with the believer's relationship with sin. And the new life that the believer has in Christ. And so you can look at Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. And what you got to start in Romans chapter 1. And it all ties in together. Uh, it's important to consider Romans chapter 6 in the context. And so it all ties in together. And I encourage you after we finish tonight. Go and read Romans chapter 7. And you're going to see even more how Paul ties it all in together. But Romans chapter 6 deals with the believer's relationship with sin. 
And so we're dealing with the flesh, but also dealing with a new life that we have in Christ and, and how we're being sanctified in Christ. And so Paul here in this passage gives three instructions for the believer to reach towards, to to chase after, uh, to have true freedom over sin. We see first that those who are to live in this freedom that can only be found in Christ will be a knowing people. Romans 6, 1 through 5. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. uh, That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul says, should we keep on sinning and doing the same things that we always did before, the same thing that we've always done because we are under grace? And the more we sin, the more of God's grace we get. Paul says, uh, is no doubt covering a topic uh, that was a hot topic of this day and and still is a hot topic uh, that we still deal with today. Uh, The critics of Paul's teaching uh, that we are saved by God's grace alone were saying that Paul was actually encouraging people to sin. Uh, This is what the critics were saying, that Paul was encouraging people to sin because we are under grace, believers are under grace. And Paul says, should we keep on sinning and doing these same, same, the same things? But we must understand that grace is not a license to sin. But grace gives us the freedom not to. We are no longer controlled by the old man. Uh, and so we are under grace. And so Paul would very strongly rebuke this type of thinking. By saying, certainly not. Or may it never be. Another translation says, may it never be. And so this way that Paul said this, uh, I believe when we reread the scripture, doesn't come across exactly how Paul meant it. Paul was saying, are you kidding me? Uh, it was very, uh, a very strong statement when Paul said this. He said, are you kidding me? May it never be, certainly not. He was very emphatic when he said it. Should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? And so this almost gives the, the reader uh, the, the idea that Paul was uh, kind of upset with this type of thinking. Should we keep on sinning because we are under grace? Paul says, no. Why would we do that? No, certainly not. May it never be. And so these critics here, Paul was addressing them. And so this this question is asked. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? The reference to sin here is not a reference to the ongoing battle that we face with sin in our day-to-day lives. But the moment in our life where we died to sin by turning towards Christ. Who we know defeated sin. Christ defeated sin on the cross. And so the only way to defeat sin is through Christ. He gave himself up in our place. His blood is covered, it covers us. And through faith in him, 
We too have defeated death and sin. And so this is what Paul is getting at in this chapter. He speaks of the relationship that we have with Christ. The relationship that the believer has with Christ. Paul's not talking to the world. Paul's not talking to the lost people. Paul is talking to believers. The relationship that a believer has with Christ. We have been related to Christ in his death. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And so baptism here is speaking of the believer being united with Christ by the new birth. Paul, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. And so this is what Paul is getting across. That you must be united with Christ through this new birth. Uh, but certainly water baptism is a picture of what has taken place in the believer's life. And so you see that uh, there in this scripture. Uh, through baptism, we see uh, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we are united with Christ uh, through our faith. And we are showing others that we are united with Christ through baptism. And so it's a picture. It's a symbol. And so Paul is getting this across. And he says uh, that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also should be united uh, in the likeness of his resurrection. And so we see that the believer has been given this new life, and that's through Christ. The old has passed away, and the behold, the new has come. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me, and the life that I live, I live by, in the flesh, I live in faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ that live in me. And so that is freedom uh, in Christ, that it is Christ that lives within us, and our old self has been crucified. Our old self is done away with. And we have that freedom in Christ. We have grace. God's grace is good. Our lives should forever be marked by the new life that we have through the gospel. Forever be marked. From the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior... Our lives should be marked by the gospel. People around us should know that our lives are marked by the gospel. Our family should know that, that our, mar our lives are marked by the gospel. Our coworkers should know that, that our lives have been forever changed by the gospel. This is how we act, how we talk. Uh, you know, the, the things that we're talking about, uh, the things that we're doing, whether it's in the business world or in the work world or in our, our relationships with each other, our lives should be marked by the gospel. And so Paul continues in, chapter, in verse 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The old man that we were before the gospel has been crucified with Christ and put to death. The old man before we accepted the gospel into our lives has been crucified and put to death. 
This is the one that we were before we experienced God's grace. This is the one that we were before we experienced new life in Christ. We were all born into this world, sinners far from God. But when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we are drawn in and brought into this family. We are redeemed. We are set apart. And that's all through Christ. And so the old man is speaking of the, the man that uh, man or woman. That, that is who we are before we come to know Christ. Sinful, without regard to God and his statutes, without regard to God and his ways, without regard to God and his will. And so this old man has been crucified. And so this old man was entrapped by sin. The new man is covered with righteousness. Paul makes this statement after explaining the relationship that we have in Christ and continues it by saying, we know this that we have been crucified with Christ. And so this is, we are to be knowing people. Uh, this is a, a way that we live our lives, that we live our lives in such a way that we know this and we're not going to depart from it. We're going to take it and we're going to internalize it. And because we've internalized it, it's going to be external. We know this, that we have been crucified with Christ. And that we are no longer slaves to sin. So we're no longer uh, held in bondage to sin. But rather we've been set free from sin. Because the flesh has lost its power and control. And so if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that is the truth for you. That you are no longer uh, bound by that old man. You are no longer bound by that sin, even though we are still in the flesh. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, but we are, uh, we are set free through the gospel. We are free indeed is what scripture says. And so we also see that we are to be considering people. And we see this in Romans chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. Now, if we had died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. A powerful statement for Paul to make. That if we have died with Christ, we shall live with him. And this isn't just speaking of, of living uh, on the other side of this earth. But we are currently, as we speak, as we breathe, as we live, living with Christ. Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we are living with Christ. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead and dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Speaking of Christ. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. He died to sin once for all. It was a one and done deal. Christ was, was perfection. He was all there needed to be. And he completed it on the cross at Calvary. He completed it when he rose from the grave once and for all. But the life that he lives, and so this is a speaking of Christ living, currently living, he lives to God. Likewise. And so Paul is going to bring it into the believer. He's going to make it personal for the believer. He says, likewise, you also. So he, he points his finger. Uh, he's saying, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this word reckon, mean, reckon means to be uh, the same thing that it means today. But uh, it means to consider this. Uh, reckon this. Think about this. That you have been, uh, or you yourselves are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And so the new life that we have through Christ is not only a life that we will one day experience in heaven, but we are currently living in Christ. Death no longer has control or power over Christ because he defeated death. Once and for all is what the scripture says. There was a battle fought and Christ won and was victorious. When Christ defeated death on the cross, he defeated sin. Sin's penalty was paid for on the cross at Calvary. Sin's power was forever laid waste for all those who would call upon Jesus for salvation. And so sin's penalty is no longer sin's power For those who have accepted Christ is laid waste, is void. And so Paul used this word reckon or consider when he brings this discussion back to the believers. He says, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ we have been freed from sin itself. Freed from sin's penalty, which is death. Freed from sin's power. And one day... We'll be freed from sin's presence. We won't even have to deal with sin. I can't wait for that day. It doesn't take very long of getting up, people, when we realize that sin's still in the world, right? We look in the mirror, we realize that sin is still in the world. We go places, we realize that this world is sinful. One day, we won't even have to deal with sin's presence. I look forward to that day. And so Paul here is saying, live your life in confidence, knowing this, that you have been indeed freed from sin and its grip. Warren Wiersbe said, too many Christians are betweeners. They live between Egypt and Canaan, saved but never satisfied. Or they live between Good Friday and Easter, believing in the cross but not entering into the power and the glory of the resurrection. And so there is power and glory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is power uh, knowing that, uh, that we have been set free from sin. And that's through Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And it's that power that gave us new life. It's that's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, The same power that lives and breathes within us. And so when we come to know Christ as our Savior, that power is imparted to us. It's working. It's living within us. And it's helping us fight the battles that we face. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. Just a very plain uh, but, but great statement. For you died. Uh, again, bringing it back to the believer. For the believer to internalize this. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so that's the promise that, that we are forever in Christ, that, that we are held uh, by his power, by his might, uh, not by our own, but we are hidden in him. Lastly, we see from the text in Romans chapter 6 that believers are to be presenting people. And we see this in uh, verse 12 through 14. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. 
that you should obey in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And so Paul here introduces a therefore statement. And so if you want to know what the therefore is, it's just all the stuff we just talked about. And so Paul covers uh, everything that he covers. And he says, because of this, because of everything that I have previously stated, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lust. And so this is a constant yielding to sin in the flesh and giving the flesh the power over us rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. This is an ever-present ever battle that we all face. Paul knew a lot about this battle, uh, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And just a few, uh, the next chapter later in Romans, he would say, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so Paul understood that there was a current, present sin dwelling within him. And so there's this battle waging in the believer's life. There's a battle waging in all of our lives. And it's the battle between uh, the flesh and the spirit. We know that the spirit is victorious. We know that uh, the spirit has already won the battle. But still from time to time we will give in to the flesh. We will uh, sin tomorrow. We will sin the next day. And for as long as we're on this earth we will fall short. But Paul says, uh, you know, I'm doing these things and I don't want to do them. He says, but now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So Paul uh, puts a name on it. He says, this is what is taking place. It's the sin that is dwelling in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And so if you ever think that something good dwells in your flesh, just go read what, what Paul wrote. And Paul, we get most of our New Testament, right? And Paul said, there's nothing good that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And so Paul is very blunt and very serious when he says, I can't get away from this. I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. And he calls it sin, he calls it evil. He knows uh, that it goes against God. But in verse 20 says, Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so Paul understands, and we should understand also, that it is the sin that dwells within us. It's the old man that we carry around still. Uh, Brother Justin's heard this, this statement before because one of our seminary teachers uh, taught it to us, and we were, I think we were talking the other day about who said this, and uh, I think this, this old preacher has gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, he says that, you know, we're new in Christ, but we're still dragging the old man around. He's hooked to us with a chain, and we're still dragging him around, and that's the flesh, and we're going to struggle with that. And so we can all relate to this, for we know that there's this real battle taking place between our weak flesh 
and its desires and the spirit that lives within us. And in verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul opens the door for the rest of chapter 6 by saying that sin no longer is your master. But you've been given a, a new way to live. You've been given a new life and that's through grace. We must understand that the law is good and scripture says that the law is good. Scripture says that the law is holy. Scripture says, says that the law is righteous. But it cannot be kept because of sin. There's nothing wrong with the law. The, the problem is with us. Uh, we cannot measure up. The sin breaks the law, resulting in death. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He says, Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul then asks another question here in which he will answer for us in true Paul fashion. He says in verse 15 through 16, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under, law, under the law but under grace? And again he says, Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves to slaves to obey, you are the, uh, that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. And so he brings up the example of a slave. Uh, something that they were very familiar with in this time. And something that we still are familiar with in this time. Uh, a slave has no free will. A slave uh, can make no decisions uh, for themselves. Because the decisions have already been made by their master. No choice. They have no choice in the matter of their own lives. Uh, because their lives are controlled by their master. And so the former man was a slave to sin and did not have a choice in the matter. We are born into this world being slaves to sin because we are under sin's dominion. We are under sin's power. But the new man is to be a slave to righteousness. A slave to God is what Paul would say in 17 through 19. But God, uh, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin... Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were de delivered. And having been set free from sin. And so there it is, Paul says, having been set free from sin. We see the freedom that we have in Christ. You became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. And so Paul here is just uh, allowing them uh, or letting them know uh, what he is saying. He had to dumb it down a little bit for him. He's saying, I'm saying this because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, uh, so he makes an interjection here. He says, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And so Paul earlier had said, uh, you know, do not go about presenting your members as, as a slaves to unrighteousness. And so he again speaks of this past relationship that the believer had with sin. He wanted the reader uh, to grasp 
In fact, that they were no longer under this dark rule of sin. That through Christ they had been set free. Through Christ they had been redeemed. Through Christ they had true freedom from sin. But they were to present themselves as slaves to righteousness, which leads to holiness. We as believers are to be presenting people. We are to present ourselves to God as slaves to righteousness. And so we are bond servants. We are, are slaves to Christ. The life that we live, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for God. This is uh, the sanctification that takes place in the believer's life. We present ourselves as slaves to God. We present ourselves under his rule, under his authority. If it was my authority, we, I'd be messed up. But it's God's authority. It's Christ's authority. And so we are under Christ's authority. And we can depend on his authority. We can trust his authority. We are under this lordship of Christ. He's the one that we shall obey and bring honor to. And so tonight we're going to end this segment of scripture at the end of Romans chapter 6 with verse 20 through 23. And it's the same verse that we started with. He says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? And so Paul asks an interesting question. He says, what fruit, what can you show for the life that you had before you were in Christ? What fruit can you show? And he says in verse 22, uh, sorry, he says at the end of verse 21, for the end of those things is death. And in verse 22, he says, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. And so consider this being slaves of God. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, when we take on uh, the, the Lord as our Lord and Savior, uh, we are submitting to his power. We are submitting to his authority. We are submitting ourselves to him. And he says, uh, present yourselves and having become slaves of God, uh, you have your fruit to holiness. And so Paul here speaks of a different fruit. He says, the fruit that you had before, what can you show for it? And then he says, uh, you have your fruit uh, to holiness and the end, everlasting life. And so this fruit that we have in Christ will never end. This fruit that we have in Christ is, in fact, the everlasting life that we have in Christ. And in verse 23, a verse that we're all familiar with, Paul concludes chapter 6, but he'll continue in, uh, in chapter uh, 7, uh, so I encourage you to read that. But he says, for the wages of sin is death. And we all uh, can understand that. Those of us who accepted Christ as our Savior, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, this free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have the hope of the gospel there. That we know that we once were separated from God. Uh, the old man came into this world uh, in the sin, in the flesh, but we've come to know Christ as our Savior, and we have been transferred and transformed. Uh, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom, uh, yes, to live a life uh, that is set apart from the world. That is our freedom. That we don't have to, to bow down to sin. 
That we don't have to give in to it. Yes, we will. But God's grace is there. And God's grace covers us and has covered us. But we also have freedom to live life set apart from the world. And that's all in Christ. If you are here today or watching online, if you've never made a decision to follow after Jesus, I encourage you right now where you are to make a decision to follow after Jesus, give your life to Jesus, that if you confess and believe, you shall be saved before it's eternally too late. Let us pray.